What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Craig. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the You floor. know what? <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hold on, bitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Good morning, SPT enthusiasts from near and far. Whether you are listening on the airwaves here in Akron or the Radio FX app anywhere in the country, welcome to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be live from the University of Akron. It's Sports Power Talk. Guys, I am your host, Logan Conger. Joining me today, I have two incredible analysts on my right side of the desk. She is a student athlete here at the University of Akron, back for her second week in a row from the Zips women's soccer team. It is Miss Abigail Coley. Hi, guys. I'm happy to be here again today. Um, happy Father's Day, and let's get to it. Absolutely. And on the other side of the desk, as I mentioned last time he was on, he is Mr. Reliable. He is an up-and-comer here at WZIP in the sports department. It's Mr. Logan Buchanan. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Can't wait. We have a stacked outline for today. Indeed, we do. It's going to be a great show, a great Father's Day show, as I mentioned, starting off with some MLB and Guardians talk. Then in segment two, we'll move into some miscellaneous headlines as well as hot like Mike, if you haven't gotten your answers in or questions, we will answer them live on air. Make sure you reply to us at Twitter at WZIP. IP Sports, and we will get that into you. Segment three is going to be NBA headlines. Lots of things going on in the NBA that we have to talk about. And then segment four, we will round out with NBA Finals talk as the finals did wrap up this past weekend and some NBA draft talk. You're not going to want to miss it. But guys, let's get right into it, starting with the Guardians. The Guardians' young pitchers have been struggling, and they did struggle a lot against the high-powered Padres' offense Guys, is it time to panic on these young guys? I know we've talked a lot about this the past couple weeks, and the Padres are definitely one of the better teams in the league, so it's difficult to judge based off of this, but what's your opinions? Yeah, I it's I, I don't think it's time to panic just yet. When it comes to young players and uh, pitchers specifically, they're still getting used to their catchers. They're still getting used to their infield and outfield and how to play around them. And like you said, especially against this Padres team, it's hard to gauge. I would still give them a few games, if not give them this season, to fully get adapted to this Guardians team and their catchers and hope for a really good season next season. Yeah, I would say the same thing as well. 
I don't think it's time to panic with the young pitchers. They still need to get used to the team, the pl- other players, and everyone like that. The one thing that I would kind of raise heads about is that the offense. It was we really were not able to get going, and the Guardians were leading the majors with a .901 OPS and scored the third most runs, 38 last week. So the beginning of the series has been a bit of a letdown, um, just because of last week. This team and our offense specifically has been a little un- inconsistent. So. It's the offense I need to worry about, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, the offense is worrisome for the Guardians, and like we mentioned, the Padres are a team that, if the Guardians want to be in contention, they're a team that we need to be able to mm-hmm. compete with. Although our division is not strong, if you were to make the playoffs, these are the type of teams you're going to be up against. Oh, yeah. So these young guys, obviously I'll cut them some slack because it's really their first time around, but it's very difficult to have that struggle yeah, going on. Yeah, and I mean, there's guys. still a lot of games to play, and especially in baseball, you can have a mid-season turnaround. You can have an end-of-season turnaround. And with these young guys, I'm I'm not saying it's time to panic just yet. No, absolutely not. I would agree. Another topic for the Guardians, though, is Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor. They're on an absolute tear as of recently, and I definitely want to spend some time talking about this. They are both batting for over 400. Jose has 10 RBIs. Naylor has 7. But neither of them are even close to leading in all-star votes. Why? I think it's because of the team as a whole. I think it's because the Guardians are not performing well, and as a team, they're not doing well. So I believe that that's why they're not really high up in the votes is because the overall team performance. But other players might be ranked higher in the votes cause, just because their team's performing much better. 100% agree. If you look at any sport... Just because you have players that are playing at that elite level does not mean they're going to get the recognition. Uh, we see it in football with higher, like lower teams, someone like uh, the Lions, who you're not really paying attention to their players. You're more paying attention to how their team's doing. Uh, in the NBA, look at uh, the Kings. This year, the Kings got good, but the last couple of years, no one was really looking at them and their players, even if their players were doing really good. It's the same thing with these Guardians. These guys are getting on base. They're hitting these huge, huge runs. Josh Naylor, we've been talking about all year, has been the ace in the hole for the Guardians. Yet he's not getting those all-star recognition, and that's because of the team. It's because of the Guardians. Yeah, absolutely. I think recognition is a big problem, especially because the Guardians are also a small market team. Mm-hmm. Whether they're performing well or not, th- these guys are not in the media spotlight yep. no matter what. That's how it's mm-hmm. always been for this franchise. And it's tough for guys like Josh Naylor and Jose Ramirez to get the recognition, especially when their team is struggling. Yeah. Right. So the solution for me, I would say, they obviously need to keep this play up, but the media needs to give more attention to small market teams. Oh, yeah. Because small market teams have good players. This isn't even just the Guardians. This is... Every small market team. I mean, the Twins, their record's down this year, but small market. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another one I'm thinking? What's another small market MLB team? That- uh, small market NBA team. I mean, if you look at teams like uh, the Athletics for a few years, were mm-hmm. that kind of a small market team. They still but are. Also, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, we've seen how successful they yeah. are. They've been phenomenal this year because of their players, and they're one of the lowest payroll. They're one of the least marketed teams in, in, in the MLB. And that's crazy to me because having such a low payroll in the MLB is uncommon right now and being successful, I should yeah, say. Yeah. The money ball tactic does not work anymore. No, it, it, it was there for a second, but 
the only the the way that you get these low payroll teams up in this huge position, it's not through the media. It's not through uh, paying the players. It's through that drive that the players have to be successful and want to be on these big payrolls. They want that media attention, so they're working harder. They're performing more, and they're really driving out there on the field. Yeah, I 100% agree as well. Something that Tampa Bay, the Rays have, is that they have a good team chemistry. Mm. They're in it for the, all the same reasons. And I, I think that's something that the Guardians do not have right now. The team chemistry is what is pushing that team forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Guardians, the team chemistry has always been a big key for the Guardians, so they definitely are going to want to keep that up. But why do you think teams like the Padres and the Mets, who do have these large payrolls, are not performing well? It's the complete opposite reason. Uh, like I said, the, the players on the low payroll, they have this drive, they have this want to be good and to be recognized, whereas these high payrolls, they're paying their players and they're able to be comfortable. They're able to, oh, we lost that game, but hey, I got a big check coming. Instead of, oh, we lost this game, I might get cut or sent to the minors because they can't afford losers right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Those teams, they're they're content. They have nothing on the line. They're not worried about, like, their payroll. It's They're content. They have nothing to worry about. So that's why they're at where they're at. Absolutely. Big payrolls in baseball is a problem. There's no salary cap. There's no There's no way to stop this, this fad is the way I would phrase it. It's a fad in baseball because no other sport has it like this. And it's it's a problem, in my opinion. It's a problem. It's a huge problem, and, and it's it's really big in baseball because you have these uh, lower payroll teams who, because they have such a low payroll, it takes them so many seasons just to get going, and then by that point, they didn't. They then have to sell their players. They then have to move on from their star players instead of keeping them around and grinding out some seasons, being the best, being the top tier, and giving it to higher payroll teams, like you mentioned, uh, with the Ray, uh, the Mets and the Padres. Absolutely. What would you say would be the biggest solution to the payroll thing? Why why is it that these these big market teams are able to how how can we make this more fair for small market teams to compete? Yeah, uh, unless you want to create like a league-wide minimum and maximum that is a little bit closer i think it really depends on the front office and making making it a reason for your fans to come in your fans to buy your merch you selling out every single uh arena every single game that you uh, not arena uh stadium <laughs> arena uh game that you can to make sure you're getting as high a revenue as possible the only way you can do that is with smart business moves it's with good players with a good team and a good season that's how you get that payroll up stocking and investing in the young guys who are lower contracts that's going to be a huge one because you can groom them for success on that low contract save some money and save it for the future when you still need them absolutely yeah, I agreed 100% everything he had just said I think there's something that's special about building a culture, and I think that a lot of the teams are lacking a special culture, and that's what's not putting them to the success, and that's why certain things are not happening for those teams in general. Absolutely. And success for the last two games for the Guardians has not been there. They have dropped both games so far to the Diamondbacks. They dropped 5-1 to one and then 6-3. to three. Last Yesterday they dropped the 6-3 to three game after 
the Diamondbacks had three long balls in the eighth to beat the Guardians. However, it is finally time for Bo Naylor to be called up by the Guardians. We've been talking about this for weeks, and he finally was. What are your expectations for Bo Naylor going forward now that he is finally a part of the Guardians roster? I think consistency. Consistency is probably one of the biggest things as a young player that you can do. Um, when you finally are being brought up, now it is your time to shine. And being consistent and putting up good numbers and just doing your job and nothing nothing lower, but being consistent is the biggest thing I think you can ask a young player. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing for Bo coming up is to calm down. You know, don't let this huge opportunity go to the wayside because you're nervous or because you think you're not ready. You're ready. Look at your stats, man. You have been killing it on the minors. You've been – there's a reason that uh, we've all been talking about him, but not just we. Everybody's been talking about Bo Naylor when it comes to Cleveland sports. Been telling the Guardians, bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. Now's his time. Don't waste it. Don't think the lights are too bright. You have this. Calm down. Get with the team and get some amazing offense out there. So what if, if Bo Naylor ends up being successful and is the answer for the Guardians? What do you do with Mike Zanino, the current catcher who we brought in in the offseason? He has been atrocious. We paid him all this money. He was an all-star last season. Mm-hmm. What what is your do you try to move him or do you just send him down? Like it, it's exactly what I said loss? last time. I say you move him. If 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 you bring in somebody and they are not performing like you want to, and you've given them opportunity after opportunity, and then you find someone better, there's no reason for you to stick around. I wouldn't even send him down to the minors. I would work him into a trade because because he is that all star. He's still a name. You can get a decent get back from him. Yeah, definitely. So actually, let's kick it back to the Tampa Bay Rays. A little bit of a topic switch. You brought this up earlier. They have the fourth lowest payroll in the league. Why is it that they are so successful right now? How are the Tampa Bay Rays able to pull this out? Because the past few years, I mean, in my opinion, the, the Rays are in a small market, as you mentioned. Their stadium, or for them, like an arena almost. It's a, a terrible dome. It's probably one of the worst in the league. And... They don't really even draw that many fans, but here we are, and they are the best and hottest team in baseball. Why is that? It's the team chemistry. I'll say it. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. It's the team chemistry that this team has. They're playing for something so much more. A lot of teams cannot say the same. Like the Guardians and the Tampa Bay Rays, they're on two different planes right now because of the team chemistry, and that's all I got to say on that because, yeah. Yeah, I think it's... um when you look at certain teams, everyone's chasing something. Uh, when you have these higher teams, they're they're really chasing that that championship, that chip. They're cha- they're uh, going towards that World Series. Some other ones, they're searching for money. They they're chasing money. They're just chasing that big mm-hmm. paycheck. For the Rays, I think as a team as a whole, they're all searching for respect. They want to be looked at as players who deserve to be looked at as, oh, man, we got to face them next week. Oh, we got to face them tomorrow. And they've never been – I don't think they've ever been looked at like that, if not recently, ever. And so they have this fire and determination, like I said, but also they've built this chemistry around each other. There, there haven't been a lot of moves, and they've been able to get used to one another, get used to each other's faults, strengths, and work around them and become the highest-ranked team in the MLB. Absolutely. And sticking with the topic of teams being successful, teams being good, the Guardians are currently three games back of the Twins. There's 94 games left to play. They have a 32-36 and 36 record as of Friday night. 
and they are three games behind the Minnesota Twins. I don't feel that the Guardians are three games worse than the Twins. No, I mean, when we look at uh, the last series against the Twins, we split it two and two. So the biggest part of comparing these two teams is looking at the moves that that has been made. Uh, We know that the Guardians have obviously been moving their players, moving the rotations, trying new things, experimenting with new pitchers, whereas the Twins have been a little stable. They've been able to kind of ride some games for a while and not have to make huge, huge moves. So if we get a Guardians team that is fully adjusted to the lineups, the rotations, uh, they're not really removing anyone. Once we get that solid rotation, I don't think it comes down to the Twins being three games better. I think it just comes down to a single game. You know, what one hit of a bat, that's the real difference between these two teams. Yeah, I'd have to agree with everything you said. Yeah, I think... The Guardians are in a good position. They're in a division that is struggling in every aspect. There's no denying that. And the Twins, in my opinion, are just not that much better of a team. Although, now the Guardians fall a little bit further back. I I wrote this outline beforehand. With the two losses to the Diamondbacks, they fall a little bit further back. But it's not overly concerning to me. We're not even at the All-Star break yet. Like I said, 94 games to go. But I think after the All-Star break... It's make or break for the Guardians. It really is. Logan, for the All-Star game, what would you say you're looking for voting-wise from Guardians fans? Who, other than Jose and Naylor, do the Guardians have any other All-Star candidates? Yeah, you took it right out of my mouth. I was going to say Josh Naylor is the biggest candidate. I mean, like I said earlier, he is our ace in the hole. Whenever we need that big hit, whenever we're down, Josh Naylor always seems to come out and just get us runs whether it's just himself or sometimes he has three guys on base and he gets all four in. That's our guy. And, you know, I I think it should be a spark underneath the rest of the players to see Josh Naylor playing so well. And if they're not trying to be as good as him or better, I don't know why they're in baseball because they should be looking at these two, especially Jose Ramirez, who's this late in his career and still performing. I mean, you said it earlier. What was it? A a .4 RBI? That's mm-hmm. insane. Yep. That is absolutely insane. Their on-base percentage has been phenomenal. And being a veteran like he is, it should be lighting a fire under these young players. These young pitchers should be looking at him and saying, you know what, I want to be like him. I want to be better than him and learn from him and learn what he's doing right now, if not what he has been doing for the past how many years. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the Guardians don't have much to look forward to in the All-Star game other than Jose and Josh. We'll see how that plays out. But actually, something happened this week that I definitely want to touch on, and that is the Oakland Athletics, who have been atrocious this season, up until as of late. They've been winning a lot of games, and it was announced that the team was planning to move to Vegas. The fans did not take to this lightly. Athletics fans showed up. They were dead silent until the first pitch, and then as soon as the first pitch was thrown... They started erupting in sell-the-team chants. There were signs. There was everything going on in the stadium, and they called it a reverse boycott because throughout the early parts of the season, the athletics were a joke. Their fan base was a joke. Nobody was even showing up. They had less fans than the Akron Rubber Ducks one night. That's a fact. That was a statistical fact that Akron Rubber Ducks beat their, their attendance one night. And now all these fans did show up, and voiced their displeasure for the possible move of this team. 
What did you guys make of this reverse boycott? I've never seen anything like this. Well, I found this I found this really interesting to me. I think that, you know, now that the owner, um, Rob Manfred, is like, I want to sell this team, now everyone's showing up. Now everyone's like, wait, wait, wait. Like, we don't want this to happen, actually. For him, for the owner, this is strictly a money move. This is this is a money move for this team. Um, he's not looking to build the culture that to create a happy fan base. And, like, the fans are finally now filling in and filling in and filling in. But it's it's, it's honestly crazy. And I've never seen anything like this in baseball, like, ever. No. Ever. Logan? I, I hate this because this reverse boycott is a little bit too late. But if you're the owner, if you're Manfred, if you're the front office and you see this and it doesn't strike you as, hmm, maybe we're making the wrong move, I don't know what's going on in your head. You have to be insane to look at this and not say, hmm, maybe we're making the wrong move. Even if you have guys like Tom Hanks, the actor, going on interviews saying that they should not be moving, you have those types of guys going out there like – advertising for Oakland, staying in Oakland, not losing the A's after they've lost how many different teams moving elsewhere. Why Why are we sitting here still going, hmm, Las Vegas is the move. We need to go there. What is it? Why is Vegas the move recently? Why is it that everybody wants to go to Vegas? There's you got the, the Raiders move to Vegas. Yeah. The Athletics are trying to move to Vegas. They want to get an NBA team, which they're saying they're going to give an NBA team to them over Seattle, which I think is blasphemous. Yeah. Why I, is it that everybody wants to go to Vegas? It's a money move. It's a money move. I mean, how many how many times have you heard people going, oh, we're going to Vegas? Oh, we're going to Vegas. You have high-money people going to Vegas, tourism, and they're going to want to go see a game. You know, they might want to go elsewhere, do a little bit uh, fun stuff in Vegas, but why not just go see a game? So they're looking for that box office tourism. They're so looking. you think that... Say you're a casual person in Vegas. This is a question for both of you. You're a casual person in Vegas, just a tourist. Mm-hmm. You're going to choose, instead of going to the Vegas casinos, or all the sightseeing, you're going to choose to go to a, a Vegas, whatever they name the baseball team is. Possibly. You're going to go sit outside while you're in Vegas at a baseball game? I mean, why not? You know, it, it, the, the reason for baseball over anything else is because it's a day game. So you can go baseball during the day, late night Vegas at night after a huge win or a huge loss and go uh, forget the loss at the casinos. I, I think it's a money move. I think it's a huge money move. It is a money move, and I can see where you're coming from, Logan, for sure. But at the same time, you did say it's a it's a day thing, but if I'm in Vegas during the day, like I want to go and do things. Like I want to be out all the time. Right. I want to be doing things. So I can see where you're coming from for sure, but at the same time, it's almost it could honestly be a waste. It could be either or, so it depends. I just feel like people that are... If it was me, if I'm going on a vacation to Vegas, I'm com- I'm probably coming from a, a place that has a team, which we are. We would be. We're coming from Cleveland. Why would you want to waste your time at some baseball game? Even I don't feel that the Raiders have real fans out there. <laughs> I don't. They're they are all either they've been diehards their whole life, or they are just tourists that are just saw a cool stadium and went inside. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Vegas is a spot to really build what Abby was talking about, a a fan base or a place where the culture is so loved. I don't see that in that, Vegas. That's why I say it's a money move. Because if, if it was for the fans, they are not moving to Vegas. If they're moving to Vegas to get a good fan base around them, they could go how 
however many other places. They could go to a Seattle or to another place that doesn't have a, a big sports team. They're going to Vegas for money. That's all the Oakland A's are doing. They're one of the lowest payrolls, so if they can get some money behind them, they're going to think that's the solution rather than getting the fans behind them and getting finance that way. Absolutely. I I disagree with the move by the Athletics. I think they really – the first plan for them was to just build a new stadium, which I think if they would just do that in Oakland, it would make a difference. Because the Coliseum, don't get me wrong, is very, very outdated. I mean, they have – I've seen videos where they have possums running through the stand. Yeah. <laughs> they have birds in the dugouts. The visiting team's – I think locker. It was either the locker room or the ref officials' locker room is closed because there's sewage pouring into it. Wow. That stadium is not fit for an MLB franchise or any franchise, and it's one of those old multi-purpose stadiums too. So it was a football field too. It's destroyed. There's no no purpose to that stadium. But I don't think taking the team to Vegas is the solution for them. But on to go off of your point, Logan, I don't think that I think the boycott is a little late. I would have. Maybe because it almost looks fake. I know it's not, Mm. but to the league, it's like, oh, well, where were you six weeks ago when we were terrible and this wasn't announced yet? I, I just don't know how Oakland wins this over. I don't agree with it, but I don't know how Oakland wins this over. So we'll see how that plays out. But speaking of this same topic, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred was asked about this reverse boycott. And it seems he showed no remorse at all. And it poses the question to me, is this guy the worst commissioner in sports? Because I think the answer is absolutely yes. He is so out of touch with the sport. Everything he talks about, he has no clue. He talks about he doesn't even watch games. He can't relate to his players. You never see him anywhere. You never see him at anything. He just is extremely out of touch. But I wanted to get your guys' take. Why is he the worst commissioner and why? Well, we we keep on saying this, but because it's a money move. He's trying to make moves on moves on moves to get as much money as he can. Because if he were a good commissioner, he'd be wanting to build, again, he'd be wanting to build a culture. He'd be wanting to bring fans in. His issue, if he was a good commissioner, would be, why is our stadium not good enough? Why are we not having enough people in? Why is there not enough support? Stuff like that. And, again, he, he just wants to build the money and the money, and he's looking where... What what gets the most attraction? But it's not he's not thinking it's Oakland, which is crazy. But the Las Vegas is what he seems to be focused on, and like he said, um, it, like he's moving forward with his plans. So yeah. Between the four major sports for me, or Rob Manfred, commissioner of MLB, Roger Goodell, mm. commissioner of the NFL, mm-hmm. and Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, the three three main ones in yeah. my opinion. There's no doubt that he is absolutely Absolutely worst. worst. Absolutely. I just hate hate it because as a commissioner, your focus isn't on players. It's not on on the championships. If we were talking about a GM, yeah, I would understand the whole, well, we got to focus on getting the players and we got to focus on chasing that chip. We got to focus on that. A commissioner, your main job is to keep viewers watching and... By doing this move, you are dumping an entire fan base. Yeah, it's not the biggest fan base. It might not be the biggest diehard fan base, but it's a fan base. It's fans who are paying money to watch them, buying the merch, showing up sometimes. Obviously, they showed up last time, and you're just 
dismissing them as if they mean nothing. I, I can't stand that. And like you said, out of all the commissioners, absolutely he is the worst. Absolutely 100% the worst. Couldn't agree more. I think this will be a very interesting topic going forward for sports as a whole. Because the MLB, and I'm going to get a lot of slack for this comment, the MLB is not an interesting league right now. It's just not. And that's not even a knack on the players. That's not a knack on the sport. It's the way that the league presents themselves. It is not marketable. So, I, I don't know, moving the team to Vegas, what does that really do for a league that doesn't have any marketability? Yeah, I mean, you said that the cat, uh, the cat, the Guardians aren't a huge market, like, marketability team. You're right. The MLB as a whole is not huge when i'm looking at uh say like a bleacher report or an espn am i seeing mlb highlights no i'm seeing uh nba i'm seeing nfl news i'm seeing soccer more than they are and that's in the usa seeing that more than baseball really shows you the dynamic in the switch over the last uh few years if not the last few decades of who americans are actually watching who we're actually paying attention to because it's not the mlb as much as it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. And before we head into our break, it's time for our MLB Player of the Week segment. This is where each analyst picks a player for any reason, can be sports or baseball related or not, to be their personal player of the week. I'll kick it to you, Logan, first. Who is your player of the week uh, for well, the MLB? My player of the week is Zach Ramillard of the White Sox because okay. he has become the first player since 1901 to in a game tying hit and a go-ahead in the ninth inning in his debut. This was this man's debut, and he made history right away. Absolutely, I'm p- picking him as my player of the week. Fantastic choice. Abby, who is your player of the week? So my player of the week is Luis Matos from the San Francisco Giants. They had a huge, huge win over the Los Angeles Dodgers, 15-0. to And he was at bat three times, and he was able to produce four runs to lead his team to the win, which was very impressive. Absolutely. A great choice there as well, Abby. My player of the week is going, it was going to be Corbin Carroll from the Diamondbacks, but then they smoked the Guardians twice, and I changed it because I don't like that. And my player of the week is now Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles. He's 10 for 19 hitting. He has three home runs, six RBIs, and on-base percentage in the past week is 1.603, which is very, very impressive. But, guys, that is going to do it for our MLB segment. You're going to want to stick with us. We have so much more to talk to talk about on this Sports Power Talk. Next up, we got Hot Mike. If you haven't got your questions in yet, make sure you head over to our Twitter account at WZIP Sports. Get your questions in for us to answer, and we will be right back on Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. It's Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. Once again, I'm your host, and joining me right now is Mr. Logan Buchanan. Hello, hello. And Miss Abby Coley. Hi, guys. Guys, we still have a jam-packed show for you heading into our next segment, which, as the last few weeks, I'd like to call it the miscellaneous segment because the sports world is all over the place right now. We're heading into the end of the NBA, NFL OTAs. It's kind of just a cluster of things going on, so... I like to mesh this segment together and just call it the miscellaneous segment, as well as our hot mic segment, which if you haven't gotten your questions in yet, 
Head over to our Twitter at WZIP Sports. Reply to our hot mic tweet, and your question will be answered live on air by myself and both of our awesome analysts here today. But hey, guys, let's get right into these miscellaneous headlines. And this one I kind of wrote in here specifically because I knew that this would be a good one for Abby to speak on. And that is the United States men's national team played against Mexico. They won 3-0. to zero. It was a very chippy game. Both teams ended up with only nine players on the field. But the main storyline of this was not the game. It was the headline that came out during it, which is the head guy, head honcho for the U.S. men's national team, Greg Berhalter, is returning as head coach. Lots of controversy over following the World Cup for him and some strain on relationships. Abby, you're a huge soccer person. What does this mean for the men's national team? And do you think this was the right call? Yes, I do think this was the right call. Um I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that they brought him back in because last year he did just lead them to the knockout stage of the World Cup in Qatar, and that was the best I feel that the U.S. men has ever done, and it was very impressive to see them make that good of a run. Um, And I just did see that his contact will run through 2026 um, of the FIFA World Cup. I think that this is a good call just because he's so familiar with the team and he's so confident in these players. Although that Mexico versus U.S. game was absolutely awesome to watch. It was great. And that coach did his job, got the win. But I feel that now with Christian Pulisic and all the great players that are surrounding him now finally can get him the ball and allow him to produce and let him do his thing is super exciting to watch. And I think with um, Berhalter back, it's going to be so exciting to watch the U.S. men's play. So. I 100% agree. I'm really excited to see where he can take this team after this win. Like you said, very chippy. Hopefully we can we can keep some players on the field in the next couple <laughs> couple of games. But right. uh, regardless, I think this, uh, this return as head coach is going to showcase exactly what the U.S. men's team can do and what how actually on track they are to win, 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 win. Absolutely. I think consistency is key for the U.S. men's national team. That's always been part of the problem for them. And as much as there was a lot of controversy going on with Burhalter, I think it's the right move, at least for the time being, to be able to bring a team into the World Cup in 2026, as you mentioned. You want to have a guy that the players can trust. But there is one player looming on that roster that might not trust Burhalter all that much, and that is Gio Reyna. This is a concerning relationship for the U.S. He's Reyna's been playing great, and it came out in the middle of the game that Berhalter was going to come back. For those of you who don't know, uh, the whole controversy with Greg Berhalter involved Gio Reyna and his play on the field. His father reported Berhalter to the soccer FIFA Soccer Federation, the United States Soccer Federation, for violations, undisclosed violations, but... The, it really came out that his father and Gio were just upset about his playtime in the World Cup, which is super, super, super disgusting. A disgusting show of emotion for me, and especially to have your dad do it. <laughs> I, I mean, come on, man. We're adults here. But this is a concerning relationship going forward for the U.S. No, that that is crazy to me that you want to go that far just for your play. But, I, I don't know, quite crazy for me. But I feel that with Reyna coming and Berhalter back, I think that the team will be okay about the same hand. I'm not sure because Reyna has been playing so, so, so well. But with his relationship with Berhalter changed things and changed the team dynamic, I don't know. And I hope not because the team has been so successful as of recently. But if those two can stay cordial and everything can be okay, I think this team will be super successful in the next few weeks. I think the success is completely on uh, Reyna's hands because uh, recently... 
Berhalter has gone out and tweeted that he's going to treat him like any other player. He's not going to treat them like they have beef. He's not going to treat him special or do anything Absolutely. different, which is exactly what he should be doing. So it's going to really go down to if uh, Gio is wanting to work with him or not. Absolutely. I would not expect anything less from Berhalter because that's what he should be doing as a coach. But like you said, it's all in Reyna's hands. If he wants to kind of put that in the past and move on, it's up to him. But we will see from his actions. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be very immature of Reyna to mess with the current success of Mm -hmm. the U.S. team, especially coming off a win like that. I think... Everybody needs to learn to put things behind them at some point. It appears Burhalter has already done that, at least in the public eye. And I'd like to see Reyna do the same. Uh, You'd hope so. Absolutely. You know, the U.S., Abby, they do play Canada today at 8.30 p.m. What are your expectations going into this one? I would I would expect the sa- I would expect the same thing from last game. I would expect a gritty U.S. team looking to score, uh, looking to get ahead early in the game. And I I don't know these players from the U.S. have been so gritty, have been working so hard, been doing all the dirty work, and I wouldn't expect anything less but a win from this team. I mean, I I 100% agree. When when you look at Canada's the second seed in their group, and I believe we're the third, so. You know, a big win over them could really, really boost us, especially with uh, the coach's first game today. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The U.S. will be playing without Weston McKinney due to his red card in the Mexico match, and they will also be playing without Sergino Dest, who also received a red card. Abby, what is your take on how can the U.S. how can the U.S. adjust without these two guys, and do you think that their red cards were warranted? Well, first off, the two red cards, Sergino Dest, I think that his red card was deserved but Weston McKinney I was I was shocked at that red card I was like he didn't he didn't even do anything but although those are two of our quite key players that would help and support Christian Pulisic I am a little worried about that but I feel that with the depth of this U.S. team I think that we will be fine but again those are two huge players and key players for us so we'll have to use our bench and look for the depth absolutely absolutely indeed it should be a great matchup against Canada tonight now, guys, we're going to try something new. It's not necessarily a new concept here to SBT, but it is a new concept for this era of SBT, and it's something that I, to my understanding, has never been done. And it's going to be the What Women Are Up To segment, led by our own Abby Coley. Abby, take it away. Tell us what's going on in women's sports. All right, guys, so coming up in women's sports. So the Women's World Cup is just around the corner, and with the United States, their first three, game, their first three games lined up, they'll be competing against Vietnam, Netherlands, and Portugal. And then our captain, Becky Sauerbrunn, she is actually out at the time, so she will miss this World Cup. And then lastly, we'll be moving on to the NWSL and talking about the Soccer League and Angel FC. So if we go back to the Women's World Cup, do you guys think that this is a winnable schedule for the fairly young U.S. squad? I think it really depends on how they're going to react to uh, Becky not being able to play. It, it, it's going to really showcase in that first matchup how they're going to play, too, if they're going to be playing more back or if they're going to be aggressive and pushing forward, going for those goals, going for the tackles, really playing physically. Absolutely. This U.S. squad, they're so, 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 so dangerous when they're in the attack, when they're always pressuring. So if they can keep that... If they can keep that high tempo, that pressing game, and put a few goals away on all these teams, I think they'll personally be very successful. Absolutely. Okay, guys. And then, do you guys think any of these teams, not even those first two teams that they'll play, but any teams will give them a run for their money? I I think there's probably a – I mean, especially with that loss, I think 
the first couple of games are. I, I actually want to hear from you. What is your most anticipated matchup Ooh. with them right now? Ooh, I want to say either U.S. versus Mexico or mm-hmm. U.S. versus Canada because, or even Germany. Oh, yeah. All of these teams have been powerhouses. And I would say a decade ago or a few years ago, the U.S. has been absolutely dominant from the women's side. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been killing it. But now this squad and the new coach, he's bringing in a lot of younger players. So a lot of fans and a lot of people are worried that they won't step up and they won't be as dominant since other, these other countries are finally stepping up and they're bringing up the talent. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of worry if this young squad will actually produce and do well. Yeah. I Historically, obviously, our our women's team is fantastic. And... I expect the same success to continue in this upcoming World Cup. There's no doubt in my mind. Nobody's taking that from <laughs> this beautiful country that we live in. <laughs> Absolutely, guys. And then from the U.S. women's team, who do we expect to perform well in this World Cup? I'm going to go with, obviously, the big I mean, the big key for me would be Alex Morgan. She, she has to. <laughs> Not that she won't. I just know she will. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I agree with you. She's probably one of our most lead, leading goal scorers, and there's a lot expected from her as our starting center forward. So if she produces and, and our wingers do as well, there should be no problem with this team. Absolutely. Abby, heading into this World Cup, what are you most excited for as a whole? Gosh, what I'm most excited for is to I'm most excited for is to see this young U.S. team and what they're going to accomplish mm-hmm. because there's so much doubt on this team. There's so much uncertainty, but I want to see this team prove everybody wrong. I want to see them compete against the big countries, the teams that are always very, very good, and I want to see them win. And which is what I'm most excited for. I think it's just going to be an exciting series no matter what absolutely it's be a huge series absolutely and i know that i had previewed it a little bit beforehand but our captain becky sauerbrunn who has almost played in every single game and has started in every single game for the world cup should we be panicked or do you guys feel there is enough quality and depth in our roster there's absolutely enough quality yeah and, and it it's no time to panic i feel like this is a time to be aggressive you know you're losing somebody who's played so much for this series, it should light a fire under you. It should want, make you want to perform even better, even harder. It, it should not be a time for panic. It should be a time to actually be hopeful and and looking at our young talent, like you have said. Absolutely, and I agree with you, too. There's a lot of other players who can also bring that captain role um, on the team that are also very confident, and we can look to that supportive mm. role. So I am not worried about this at all. She is. It is a loss to not have her, but at the same time, we are so full with depth, so this team will be just okay. Absolutely. It'll be awesome World Cup per usual. I love watching the women's World Cup every year. I like watching the women's team play no matter where they are. It's just as exciting as the men's team mm. for me. If not more, yeah, because the men's team loses. <laughs> but <laughs> that's yeah, it's always fun to watch a winning team, isn't it? Oh, Absolutely. for sure, <laughs> of course. So moving on uh, to the NWSL, where most of the girls on the national team actually play on their other seasons, um, which is Angel FC. We'll talk about the new team. They have just fired coach Fria Kume, who has been struggling to lead the team to wins. So my question for you guys is: What is next for Angel FC? What has been their breakdown as a new team? You know, speaking, I'll put this into perspective from more of a local standpoint for me and LB over here. New teams take time. Uh. Logan, Logan and I both have connections with Akron City FC, the NPSL team. And there's growing pains. There always, there always will be for new, new franchises. So I, I, in the same way that I see a good future for Akron City FC, I still see a future for Angel City FC in the NWSL because 
new teams need time to grow. Yeah. You need time to establish a roster for more than one season. You need time to figure out who that who who the head person is for mm-hmm. your team. And I definitely think that they have I mean they have a great roster. They have Julie Ertz is probably the biggest name for me with them. Absolutely. And that's this is also not only a team that is still growing, it's a league that yeah. is still growing. Yes. The NWSL is gaining popularity. They have this deal with Paramount Plus now and you can watch it at any point. If they continue to get these players in to the league as a whole, then the attention will be there and teams will continue to grow, and that's my outlook on Angel City. I mean, you said it best. I think they need to really focus on playing as a team and working off each other rather than playing as individual players on the same field. I think that's a big thing that happens with teams with these big rosters, these star-studded rosters, is they don't really play to each other. And so that's what I would most look at when it comes to the Angels. Gotcha, and you guys both hit it exactly on the nail there. So saying that their coach was just fired, I have a... I have a topic for you guys. So, Abby Wambach, who is an investor of the club and probably arguably one of the most, one of the best women soccer players ever or soccer player ever, since she's an investor, could we see her possibly becoming a coach or being on that uh, coaching roster? Man, I hope so. I, I There's nothing I love more than a really good player coaching because all that means is we're going to see some really good players come out from under her. It's just going to be... It's going to be really cool if she does take that role to see how she evolves as a coach and see how that team evolves around her. Yeah, absolutely. I think Abby could bring a really special dynamic to this team, and I think she could bring a new level a new level of hope for this team just because they are in about last place in the NWSL right now. So I think that she, her as a player and all the knowledge that she does have could bring a new hope for this team and really spark a new, a new look for this team. Absolutely. I could see her being a great coach as well. Um, as I mentioned, it's all growing pains. It's all trial and error, and the club will get there eventually. You said it's our first year in existence? Yes. Yeah, and they'll get there. It's all a matter of growing pains. Just hope it gets worked out, and I hope that the NWSL continues to grow because it really is a very cool league, and it's something that America has yet to adapt, and it's good that it is finally coming to fruition. All right, Abby, thank you so much for that women's sports update. We're going to keep this going. Every time Abby is on, we will have a little rundown from Abby. We'll come up with a cooler name for it later, have a little sounder. (laughs) But this was a bit of a trial run, and I would say that it was a success. So, Abby, thank you so much for that. Moving on to some other headlines in sports, we're going to move over to the NFL. Starting off with Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Saquon Barkley has yet to sign his franchise tag with the team. Should the team be concerned? Because this has been a whole ordeal that Saquon Barkley is their focal point. Yeah, I mean... Barkley even said in, I believe it was 2022, uh, he doesn't want the franchise tag. He he doesn't want that. And so being that these uh, him and the Giants haven't come to an agreement, haven't signed anything, it's really concerning because we're going to end up at a breaking point between the two. And it kind of makes me wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Like, what is Barkley asking for and why aren't the Giants going with it? You know what? Why aren't they relying on this guy who's been that player for so for who's been producing like he has? Agreed. You have to really question what's going on behind the scenes and what is stopping him from doing what he needs to do. You, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, so it'd be interesting to really know what's going on. Absolutely, um, I would agree. I know he was upset that they gave his money to mm-hmm. Daniel Jones, right. which you got to pay your quarterback for your running back to be successful right but 
I don't know. I that's tricky. Yeah. I I think Saquon Barkley just is looking for something better, and he's not going to get it this season because as we talked about last week, Abby, running backs in the NFL mm-hmm. don't have this lifespan that they they think they do. Yeah. So the Giants are hesitant to give him anything more than a franchise tag right now. Plus, the guy is injury prone. He is always always hurt. Yeah. I picked him in fantasy for like three <laughs> years, and he's probably played maybe four games. Wow. Why would you give him that kind of money? Right. Yeah, I mean, it just like you said, they don't have that huge of a lifespan. And if the Giants want to be focusing on their future, I can see why they're a little, little hesitant on uh, putting that towards Barkley. Yeah, I think the Giants are being a little bit reserved here. And I don't blame them. I really don't blame them. I think they're making the right move right now. For sure. I will see what happens with Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Hopefully it works out for them. And hopefully it doesn't set a precedence for running backs in the future because I'd like to keep Nick Chubb at a reasonable price mm-hmm. for the Cleveland Browns. But another another storyline in the NFL is Stephon Diggs, who was recently not showing up for team activities with the Bills, and nobody seemed to know why. He did finally show up, and Josh Allen took the blame for his absence. If you're Josh Allen, are you? why are you taking the blame for Stephon Diggs' absence? I think it was just Diggs being arrogant well i'll tell you exactly why josh josh allen did it is because josh allen is a leader he's he is that kind of person who when Diggs went away when he didn't show up when he went through all that he didn't blame it on Diggs. he didn't blame it on the organization he took it on himself he's like you know what i'm the leader of this team it's my fault i should have done something and i respect that i 100 respect that it's how he should be re- should be reacting and if i was on uh that team looking at this situation i would be taking that into into heart yeah i agree too there's a lot of respect for josh allen there which i 100 percent agree but then josh allen as a captain needs to make a change and understand you know is like hey like what can we do to get digs like kind of going and rolling mm-hmm. again and that's where he needs to really step up as the as the leader that he is Absolutely. Josh Allen is a very big leader, and that's one of his main qualities. That's one of the reasons the Bills drafted him. And I do respect that he stepped up and did that for Stephon Diggs. We'll see how that plays out for the Bills. I think Diggs is not a long-term player for them. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's just a little wishy-washy every once in a while. Mm-hmm. We'll see We'll see if he ends up fixing his issues with the organization. It seems like he's on the right path to do so. Uh, speaking of issues with organizations... The NFL gambling issue is, or the NFL gambling, NFL, excuse me, has a gambling yes. issue. Yes, they do. Huge yes. gambling issue. Per NBC Sports, one NFL player lost $8 million gambling during the 2022 season. Though the league source didn't reveal the name of the player, the number is shocking because it goes way beyond what many players make on their annual salary. Guys, is this like going to become an epidemic for the NFL? And how do they fix it? I mean, you fix it by just not allowing them to do it. I, but how do you police that? They already don't allow them to do it. I, they, it's just the amount of money they get paid already is ridiculous. And yeah. that's what feeds into this problem is that they have so much money, they're like, oh, let me do this with it. Mm-hmm. That's that's where this issue starts. $8 million in one season is absolutely bonkers. Absol- I couldn't even imagine $8 million over your entire lifespan of betting. And you're losing that much? Whew. I just think it doesn't have a place in sports. No. Not as an athlete. Your focus should no. not be on... Now, if you're betting on a sport other than your own, and your own league, 
I don't see as much of an issue with it. Like if if Donovan Mitchell wanted to go bet twenty dollars on on the Guardians over, mm-hmm. I don't see how that really affects him. But but that's a twenty dollar bet. Yeah, that's I was about to say, like, a, that's that's not a hundred thousand dollar payout if the Giants score three touchdowns. That's like I, I feel like if it's not your own sport. Do what you want. It's your money. As long as you're not influencing the influencing the sport that you are playing, mm-hmm. you can't. You should not be able to do that. Yeah. At any point. I almost want to say, as an athlete, you probably just should not be betting at all. That's I, like as a as a watcher of a sport, I feel that it's okay to bet. But as an athlete, at, at this point, and with the amount of money that guys are just you know getting rid of, it's like just it's, we just gotta yeah. stop all as a your whole. Your focus should be on other stuff. Your focus should Absolutely. be on training, on studying the game, not on. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go watch a basketball game, go watch a basketball game. Absolutely. But you don't have to be sitting there the whole time going, oh, man, I hope Mobley gets another rebound. Oh, and l- stressing over that. Yeah. Why are you doing that? You Absolutely. have enough stress right. when actually playing your sport. Why are you doing that? And you're that? already making enough money. Yeah. Like, you're... <laughs> yeah, I don't see the issue there. Yeah. Speaking of making money, another good transition. College football players will not be making money <laughs> off of the NCAA sports video game franchise. It was released... That the College Football Players Association is arranging a boycott boycott of EA Sports' NCAA football game because they are only offering a one-time payment of $500 per player for naming rights, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Image, $500 a player for... That game is going to make millions. Yes, yeah. if not billions. That, that, is, that game is... One of the like when it comes to sports games, it used to be one of the most bought games, and it is now one of the most anticipated games to make a return. It is going to be bought by millions of people. It's going to make so much money, and college players already do not get as much money as they should. They do not get as much as they should for what they are doing, what they're putting their bodies through while also going to classes, doing all that, putting that grind in. $500 is an absolute slap in the face, and not only should the College Football Player Association be boycotting, the players should be boycotting, we should be boycotting, the journalists should. I this is a huge issue that I feel like needs a light on it right now. I agree, too. And being a college athlete myself, I, I know what that's like. And as of now, in like the past decade, I think that as a whole, college sports have been on the rise, abs- like without a doubt. For sure. And even college football, like it's been on a rise and doing only $500 per player. To me, that's crazy it's because the amount, the amount of money that this game is going to eventually make in total, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I totally don't blame the players as much as I want this game so bad. I want to play this game so bad. I've wanted it since 2014. But there comes a point where how like the whole issue it went away was compensation. And now here we are where it's allowed to compensate these guys and you're not going to. doesn't make sense to me. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. But that's going to do it for our headlines talk in the miscellaneous department. But guess what? That means that it's time hot mic and if you don't know what hot mic is hot mic is where you bring your thoughts to us on twitter and we answer the questions live on air so i'm going to start off with questions coming in from everybody's favorite not mine but everybody else's apparently <laughs> jake Mern's number one fan jake Mernigo, and his first question is what nba finals was worse 2018 or this year oh this year's this year this year i'm Agreed. a heat fan and this this year's final was terrible i mean I, a little entertainment biased. value Promotion of oh, it. Oh, the promotion of it just alone. Absolutely, this year's NBA Finals was worse. Yeah. Because 2018, 
I still got to watch LeBron. Cavs and Warriors, baby. Cavs and Warriors, you can't, baby. You can't beat that. You no, can't beat that. I don't that. care that the Cavs lost. That was on him. I and, care that the and Warriors And LeBron was won. on his oh, grind. Oh, no. Yeah, you're weird for yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Oh, LeBron was on his weird. grind, too, in 2018. I don't care. Absolutely. Next question from Jake Goat is, thoughts on the huge win for the U.S. men's soccer team on Thursday over Mexico, and any thoughts for the game tonight? And since we already touched on this, and it was a big win for the U.S., I'm just going to play something for you, Jake Goat, <laughs> that says how I feel about this game. Yes! And that was your voice saying yes. Yes, it was a good win. Jake Goat, always good to hear your voice on these airwaves. Next question from Jake Goat is, first player that comes to mind when I say Kansas City Royals, my answer for that would be no one. Oh, okay. Uh, mine would be uh, Salvador Perez. Good I, one. I would say no one either. No one. Most boring franchise <laughs> in baseball. No. Most boring and underperforming team in baseball. <laughs> Can't even. <laughs> Next question from Jake Murray to go to his favorite cereal. I'm a big Captain Crunch guy myself. I like Captain Crunch. I would say Captain Crunch too, but are you the fruity or like the peanut just butter? The, no, just the regular. Oh. Just the regular Captain okay. Crunch. Yeah. Okay, okay. Because I like the peanut butter. Uh, I mean, that's respect. I love peanut butter yeah. and anything. So. Okay, fair Guys, enough. you're going to really dislike me. Oh, I've right. never had cereal in my life. There's no shot. That's not even, there's no I way that's true. possible. I promise you, I have How? never. How have you never Not even when you never, were younger. No. Wow. I will what? never, ever, what do you ever eat, for eat cereal. Eggos? I don't. <laughs> that's, oh my gosh. I eat, sleep, and breathe WZIP sports. Oh. I don't need uh, breakfast. Okay, there. No, oh, I have never had cereal in my entire life, and I don't intend to change. You eat that. up a heat's loss in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> Next question comes in from Matt Permuka. He says, "Have you ever have you watched the third season of I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson? And if so, what's your favorite skit?" Matt, I haven't, never heard of it. Don't even Me know what neither. that is. Okay, sorry. So Matt, I'll Matt, get on that to, for you. Yeah, I promise. <laughs> Next question from Tyler Cavalix is, are the Nuggets the favorite to win the title next year? If not, who is? Um, Right now, yes. But ask me after the draft and after some of the uh, postseason, preseason moves, that might change. It honestly might, depending on uh, what these big money teams, like we know the Suns and the Bucks are trying to make moves. They, they could really come up depending on what happens this summer. Yeah, that's a great point, too. I think definitely they have so much power that, I would expect to see them back again. But like you said, the trades, you, you never know. We could see mm-hmm. a team in the rise. We could see a team come right out the blue. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, you know, I don't know how you can never say that an NBA champion that happened like less than a week ago isn't the favorite. So, yes, right now they are. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. we all know who's winning the, the championship okay. next year. It's the Miami oh, Okay. Heat. Hey. And you heard it here first. <laughs> on June 18th of 2023, the Miami Heat will be the 2024 NBA champions. Don't get it twisted, folks. And then the last question for Tyler Cavalix was thoughts on the reverse boycott by the Oakland A's and should the A's move to Vegas? We already touched on this, Tyler. If you missed it, go head over to SPG Rewind following the show. But, guys, that is going to do it. For our first hour of SPT, it's been a jam-packed one so far. We had Hot Mike, we had some MLB talk, lots of headlines, Abby's Women's Sports Report, lots of good talk. You won't want to miss hour number two when we come back, which is all NBA headlines and NBA talk. So stick with us right here on ZD8. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk, ladies and gentlemen, for our second hour of today's show. And our second hour is filled with NBA headlines and much more NBA Finals Talk, NBA Draft. Lots and lots ahead of us. Once again, my name is Logan Congrove. Joining me on the other side of the desk is Mr. Logan Buchanan. Hello, hello. And Miss Abby Coley. Hey, guys. And like I said, lots to unpack here in the final hour. Starting off 
with some of the bigger headlines in the league. The biggest one that has been long awaited by oh, yeah. NBA fans. It was put off until the NBA Finals ended. It is finally here. John Morant's suspension was announced. For those of you who don't know, John Morant is a little bit of a little troublemaker as of recently. He he likes to he likes to do dumb things on social media, and uh, he he did do dumb things, and he's now suspended for 25 games, plus an NBA mandated developmental program. The Players Association is irate. They think this suspension is ridiculous. And it was just to make an embarrassment of a star player. I personally don't think that this is not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be. Oh, I thought it was going to be way worse. Absolutely. If you look back at former NBA suspensions for similar actions. Now, these actions did take place in the locker room. So it's a little bit uh, more severe in the NBA's eyes. They had longer suspensions. Theirs were up in the 37 to 40-something uh, days suspension, whereas John only has 25, and it's a mandated developmental program. I don't really know what that means. I wish they would get into that a little bit farther, so that way we could understand, you know, is he going to, like, a reformative kind of thing? Is he going to something more than just, hey, stop doing this on your social media, which is what I kind of feel like they're going to do. Right, guys. If I have anything to say about John Morant, he's trying to be someone who he's not. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. And the biggest question that I think that everyone should take away from this is that, what? okay, what is he going to do on his time off? Is he going to take that time to get better, or is he going to keep the same thing going? Like, what What can we expect it, from him? It honestly feels like a slap on the wrist. And if you do a slap on the wrist, guess what? Nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change. Agreed. No, nothing's going to change. And I do think it's good that he's going to get the help that he needs. I think the suspension is completely fair. I think the league amped it up to be much more, or the media amped it up to be much more than it was going to be. And why did Silver wait if it was just a 25-day suspension? How does that affect... Because of what we just talked about on Hot Mike. The NBA Finals was boring. And he didn't want to take attention away from two boring teams. <laughs> that's the Miami Heat boring in that series. Yeah, can I get a clip, Jake? Wow. Where to go? Can you uh, can you post that on they, Twitter? <laughs> Miami, the Miami Heat were boring in that series. And from a, a casual, like, yeah, I'm yeah. a Heat fan, so I didn't find that boring. If you're a Nuggets fan, you don't find that boring. But yeah. to a casual NBA fan, yeah, that series is real boring. Like, yeah. So no, he didn't want to put out some major headline and take attention away from the biggest spectacle of the league, which is the NBA Finals, mm-hmm. because. The fact that actually should tell you how boring that series was. If a suspension announcement for a player that has nothing to do with the series that's going on is going to overtake the whole series, then that's how boring that really was. Mm -hmm. So I I agree with the suspension, honestly. I think it's right around where it should be. And especially because they're offering the resources for him to get help. I just want to know what those resources are, I guess. Me too, because like I said earlier, guys, like what what is he going to change? Will mm-hmm. he ch- will he change? Will he come back? Does he even know what he did is wrong? Like True. You know what I mean? On the same aspect, this is what the league did to Kyrie Irving. They sent him to the training for his anti-Semitic comments. Yeah. And then it came out that they backed out and said he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Like what? Are they going to do the same thing for John Moran? Oh, yeah, it's actually cool, man. You don't got to go to the developmental training. I would not be surprised either. I I think that there has to be a way to enforce that aspect of this punishment because the 25 games, eh, whatever. Yeah. It really is what it is. The NBA doesn't want doesn't want too much to work with. They, they just want to blow this under the rug. They want to get rid of this problem as soon as they can. They really don't want to deal with this. I, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great way of putting it. I, I didn't think that... 
I don't think that the NBA wants this in the spotlight anymore. And what's unfortunate is John Moran is one of the best young players in the game. Yeah. So whatever he does is going to be in the spotlight. Nike did announce that they're not dropping him. Nike's going to support him as well. I can see them helping him out maybe with some of their own resources, especially because they just came out with this whole line of John Morant stuff, and then this came out. So Nike definitely doesn't want this publicity it, either. It just it, it really you you don't like to see it because Ja. When you look at who the future of the NBA is, he was looked at as, if not one, the two or the three. And to see everything happen, and it's his fault, it is his fault, you hate to see it. So I hope, I really hope the reformative stuff and the developmental stuff helps him, but they have to enforce it. They have to make sure it does. I agree, because it's it's really disappointing, because there's so much talent there. And as a fan of any sport, or just of basketball in general, you don't want to see that go to waste. Mm -hmm. As someone who follows sports, you really don't. No, absolutely not. And he is a very talented player on on a team that if they can continue to bring some pieces together and bring some guys egos away like Dylan yeah. Brooks, then He's they really gone. they really could be a successful team. And they need him to be successful. So I I think that suspension is right around correct and we will see how that plays out for John Moran and if the league will continue to push that for him. Next up though, we got Michael Jordan who is a name that is arguably one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He is also arguably one of the worst NBA owners of all time. (laughs) He finally sold the struggling Charlotte Hornets for a reported $3 billion. Mind you, he only purchased them for like $108 million or something like that. So he is profiting a lot. He's still within the organization. He just no longer has majority control and doesn't have say over what's going on. And I think this is a great move for the Hornets. It's just because you're a legendary NBA player doesn't mean you're a legendary <laughs> owner. Yeah, I'm really excited for this uh, for the Hornets because as we've seen for the last few years, they've really been an underwhelming uh, team, especially with the talent they have. When you look at who they have, they should not be where they are in the rankings. They should be in that middle tier and looked at as a respectable team. And they're just not there underwhelming so hopefully with this new ownership we're really going to see the charlotte hornets either explode up and really showcase or they're just going to remain exactly where they are that underwhelming team yeah the charlotte hornets definitely this is a good move for them michael jordan just wants to relax guys he's <laughs> he's about done with basketball i mean in a, pers- in a in a perspective he he just wants to sit back and relax at this point at his age i think this is a good move for the team i think this is a good move for him in general um like you said they've been very underwhelming but hopefully with a new owner we can get a little flare up get something going for this team you better watch what you say abby he might take it personally he oh, might, just, he, is he listening right now he might be is he, listening? Well, he is the goat yes he, he is a goat point blank <laughs> Did I just get both of my analysts to agree that Michael Jordan is the GOAT? I think so. I've always thought so, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Everybody listening, Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA basketball player of all time. I was shocked when you said one of because I knew you you thought he was. Of course I think he is. And no one will change my, my opinion. Not you. I'm not trying to change your opinion, Bubba. Not (laughs) nobody. Nobody will change my opinion. Of course. Jordan just had that different mentality. Yeah, he was, he was just different. different. He, he was, was just, just different. He was just different. He took everything personally. <laughs> and apparently he did not take the Hornets losing very personally. Because <laughs> it never changed. <laughs> so for the Hornets looking forward now with new ownership, what are your expectations for this franchise? Does this make that much of a difference? Because I, I heard from, I forget what the report was. I saw that 
Hornets players felt intimidated by Michael Jordan being in the building. I mean, I would. Who if wouldn't? you have Michael Jordan watching you, yeah, I would feel intimidated. There's Thank definitely going to be some expectations, yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. Um, I think for this this team, though, that I don't think you can just make, like, crazy expectations, like, all of a sudden because they got a new owner. I think that, you know, you could expect them to not do worse. Mm-hmm. But I would not expect them to all of a sudden be the best team, you know, in the NBA doing great things. But I could I could see them doing a little bit better, just wouldn't expect them to do worse, yeah, honestly. There's going to be a rise, especially with this new ownership. We're going to see new rotations because there's going to be – it's probably going to be some new coaching, some new assistants, some new staff in that head office that's really going to show the impacts. It's going to be little by little, and this summer it's really going to showcase mm-hmm. with this new owner what they're going to tr- decide to do with this Hornets team. Absolutely. We will see what happens with the Hornets. I think it'll be good for them to have Michael Jordan in a little bit less of a role there, a little bit less intimidating for some of these young guys on this young roster. Speaking of young guys, Per ESPN's Brian Windhorst, Pelicans forward Zion Williamson does not have a relationship with the Pelicans organization or any of his teammates. What should New Orleans do, guys? Is it fair to label Zion a bust at this point? Absolutely, Zion's a bust. What has he done? Oh, injury this. Oh, teammates that. No. If he was the star that he was projected to be when he got drafted, this team should be in the top five in the East. Or are they... Is Pelicans Easy. in the West? They're in the West? Yeah. Huh. Learn something new. Uh, that's because I don't care about the Pelicans because Zion's on the team. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. So the Pelicans just need to separate themselves from Zion, try and get a trade going, uh, get in some new guys to work around because you have good talent. I mean, Valanciunas is one of my favorite players that doesn't get recognition. He really doesn't. And he's one of the... Not I want. He's not one of the best centers in the league, but he's a good center to work with. Mm-hmm. You got Brandon Ingram in there. Like you have these guys who can work with mm-hmm. this talent, who can make this team, you know, like an underdog kind of rise up team. You just need everybody to be on the same page. And if Zion's not gonna focus on his teammates, on his organization, if he's too busy texting all of his companions that he has. <laughs> Get them out. Companions. Companions. Good Good word. word. Say that. Good word. (laughs) Guys, for Zion, it's it's disappointing for sure. Like, he was projected to do so much more than what he did. And I feel that I'm not going to label him a bust right away just because if he did go to, maybe it's just his organization. Who knows? Maybe he just doesn't get along with this organization. But if he goes somewhere else and still struggles and it's the same process over again, all right, now we got to look and see. All right, Zion, you, you must be a bust. But if you're a player and you don't have a good report with your teammates and your organization, I mean, that should you should be questioning things like, why, why am I not getting along with you or you or this or the organization? Why are they not questioning things? So it might be a good move for Zion to, to get out of there. I don't think it's fair to label him a bust yet, but I think he's very close <sighs> because this guy coming into the NBA had the most hype and anticipation probably since LeBron James. Yeah, and by any did. player that was drafted, he did. there was a genuine yeah. argument that he had more hype coming into the league than LeBron. It, now this year, I think Wemby blows Zion's hype away. Honestly, I've never seen the amount of hype that we'll, we'll get to that later yeah. because potential right. dude is a absolute it's a killer. demolisher in mm-hmm. the NBA. It will make or break you, mm-hmm. no matter what kind of player you are, unless you are a LeBron. That's gonna it's gonna just destroy you because you're never gonna live up to it. And, if I'm an NBA player, I don't want to have a comparison no. coming into the league. That's what well, I'm saying. I, I don't want to. Uh, sometimes. It, it depends. depends. 
but for Zion being compared to LeBron, uh, that pressure is, is unmatched. You're I never going to make it. You know, if I'm coming into the league this year and I get pa- compared to a Donovan Mitchell, okay. okay, okay, I can live up to those expectations. But if I get compared to a Steph Curry, to a LeBron, to a Kevin Durant, it's man, tough. those are some shoes to fill. And Zion is not filling those shoes, and I don't think he ever will. Ooh. No, he's not filling anybody's shoes. He he doesn't even step into his basketball <laughs> shoes to be able oh to, to fill any shoes. Whoa. <laughs> he doesn't. Dude, when was the last time dude played? Yeah. It, that's what I'm saying. Injury after injury. Inconsistency. Inconsistency. I only see this dude in the headlines when it's something weird. It's never anything <laughs> basketball related. Oh, my. It, it's never basketball related. It's either, as Logan said, his companions, or it's how much Zion has ate recently, <laughs> or Zion Zion showed up today and Zion was over, over all the limits of, like, oh. reg, NBA regulation of, like, body weight and stuff. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm he just... This right now. He's, it's never basketball related. Yeah. It's never basketball related. And why are the Pelicans continuing to put up with it? Well, I mean, who would have ever expected this from Zion being one of the most highest, like, high school recruits and going to Duke and, you know, the, doing the one and done? I mean, who would have ever expected him to end up where he is now? I mean, right. like, it's... And you know what, Logan, let me ask you this. Yeah. When, you, when I say the word bust, mm-hmm. what is the first name that comes to mind? Ben Simmons. Wow, that would not have been my answer. I mean, he was on my head. That was the first name that popped into my head. I have two that pop into my head immediately. Okay. Abby, if you, if you think bust in the NBA, who is a player that just was not, who is the first name that pops into your head? I don't know how you guys feel, but like Trey Young. Oh, wow. Uh, really? So, wow. Oh, okay. man. Jake Marinigo is going to go nuts. Jake Marinigo is going to go nuts. Oh, no. Just Trey because Young? I feel oh, like, no. I feel like he oh, is a good player. He no. does good things. But I just think <laughs> there is so Abby, much more I don't know if there's a way to explain that one. <laughs> there's no way to explain I that one. I don't know. In my, my, thoughts, who, my thoughts. Who are your two guys? My two guys? One, Anthony Bennett. Worst thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. <laughs> two... I'm reading Jake Mernigo's tweet. I knew it. <laughs> Two is Markel Fultz. Okay. Not Ben Simmons. Okay. Markel Fultz. Why not Ben Simmons? So, why would you label... How do we label Zion in the same conversation right now as Anthony Bennett or Markel Fultz or even Ben Simmons? I don't know about that Trey Young All comment. Right. That, that, that one was... That's questionable, that Abby. That's I, questionable. I if to label someone a bust is high expectations coming into the league or coming into the team and not providing what you should have. You're not providing. I, I also also think it's just like lack of effort. Yeah. Like I feel like, yeah, I just think it's like lack of every, effort. In... Every bust is different, too. That's yeah. I agree. Because there's injury busts, and for me, a first name that pops into my mind, injury busts, there's two. They're both trailblazers. Brandon Roy and, and Greg Oden. Oh. Both of them without injuries, would have been surefire Hall of Famers. There's That's no intri- question. I mean, I guess I don't consider bust. I was thinking D-Rose. Yeah, I wouldn't label him That's why I'm, like, like... I'm talking guys that D-Rose. had all this potential, but the only reason they didn't succeed yeah. is because they got hurt. So yeah. I would say injuries, for me, doesn't label you the same type of bust as a Anthony Bennett, who was just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know when I think of a player who's... Who, he's not terrible, but he just, like... He's not, I'm not a, ready for this hot and, take. And, and he's not goofy. I mean, he's he's like he, well, no, he's like goofy, but 
always makes me laugh when I see him play as JaVel McGee. Like, oh. like he's just like... <laughs> JaVel McGee! Oh, he's just, there's something about him that, I mean, you're definitely going to get a laugh out of him. She's been watching Shaq in a Fool, I swear. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god! Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's fair to label Zion a bust just yet. Well, <laughs> well, guys, I don't. I don't think so either. But would you consider? I mean, they're making it to the NBA. I mean, is that really a bust? But yes, yes. you can have a bust oh, okay. while making it to the NBA. Okay. Absolutely. I'm just okay. dumbfounded by this Trey Young comment. <laughs> I I can't. I don't know. I just think I had higher <laughs> expectations for him. Maybe you guys didn't, but I think I, I did. Jake Abby, Jake Burn, a goat would like to tell uh, you. He says. Okay, that's it. Trey Young, a bust, was a personal disrespect to me, not going to lie. <laughs> you said crazy disrespect. How is he a bust? Wait. Abby, you might be you might be the new the new person that Jake Myrna Goat dislikes. Oh. Oh jeez. Oh, you We we could be in a transition period here with the the loss of Jake Myrna. So you could become the new Uh-oh. Logan Congro. I don't, I don't know if I take. want to be the new Logan Congro. Oh, you on don't. That one. Oh, you do Uh-oh. not. You do not. <laughs> It'll keep you up at night. Oh, it, it really. <laughs> oh it, my gosh. There was a point in time where that was really haunting to me. It was a hard time in your life, huh? Really, I, I yeah, it really hurts. <laughs> You want to move on? Are you about to cry? Wanna... <laughs> All right, next yeah, topic. Yeah, next topic. Next, next topic. topic. Next topic. We got. Um, th- I like this topic a lot, and actually, it came out. To I me. don't. Oh yeah, I hate this mad. topic. You're mad. That's why. I'm furious. You want to know so, why I'm furious, Mr. Congrove? Sure. Because when you gave us this outline, this was before news broke today, and you asked us if the Bradley Beal trade happened with the Wizards, who could you see him possibly going to? And you know what I said? I said the Miami Heat. I made an entire starting lineup with the Miami Heat, expecting to be breaking this news and blowing the minds of you and Abby. The eventual 2022 NBA champion, the Miami Heat. And guess what happened? Tell them what happened, Logan. What happened? So, the Miami Heat have put in an offer, per The Athletic, of Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, and multiple first-round picks for Bradley Beal. I love it. I... Picks don't matter for the Heat right now. Look at all these undrafted guys they have. Yeah. Who needs them? Who needs picks? They're just, I don't. Kyle Lowry, I, I mean, the leadership thing is a loss, but for Bradley Beal, I'm okay with it. And Duncan Robinson was great in the playoffs, but he's a contract that I don't mind getting rid of for a guy like Bradley Beal. Yeah. I would have to agree, too. I mean... I think I think it's a good trade, and like you said, with the first, like with the picks and stuff like that. I mean, you can always find a diamond in the rough. So yeah, you, you never absolutely, know. absolutely. And so my starting what I what I could see happening mm-hmm. if this if this trade gets solidified is uh, Hero and Beal at the one and two slot. You get Martin and Butler at the three and four, and Bam at the five. I would actually be afraid. You're starting Hero at point. No, no. Hero at shooting guard. Okay. I'm putting at okay. Point. I was I like, must uh, mix that up. Yeah. I think that's a team that you could you could uh, raise heads and you could kind of oh, fear. This is this. You is mean the, the eventual 2024 oh, NBA okay. champion, the Miami uh, Heat? Oh, oh, we're real confident in this. Oh, now. I've been confident. He's been confident every single year. I'm confident every year. I'm getting a jersey okay. because of how confident he is. Oh, wow. <laughs> I actually have a Tyler Hero jersey, and it's like the Miami. It's like black and um, navy, pink and blue. It's sweet. I have a D Wade one. That's <laughs> that's inspirational. Abby. <laughs> I like to hear things like that. <laughs> Sorry, it's a cool jersey. It is. I have one, too. I I love the Heat, and I love anybody who buys Heat merchandise because the Heat are the best, and I love the Heat with all my heart. They're really my first love. (laughs) 
Okay, anyways. But yeah, I think this could be a good trade, and it seems like we're all in agreement that that's probably the most probable location for Bradley Beal, especially now considering that he put this offer in now. I think they could, I could see the Wizards countering and trying to get Tyler Hero, but I don't see the Heat switching that oh, around. No. And then I see the Wizards folding, and that trade ends up happening. It doesn't yeah. seem practical. No, I, I, and I'm not giving up all that for for Bradley Beal. Either way, I see, and and like you said with the Duncan contract, that's a big contract that the Heat do not have to pay anymore, which is huge. True, but then I mean you do pick up Bradley Beal's salary, but you're getting a little more out of it than yeah. Duncan Robinson, I would say. Yeah. I would. I hope this does happen for the Heat. I, I think really this would be a very good yeah. addition, and that's what the Heat are missing is another star player. Mm-hmm. And before we head to our break, our last topic that I want to touch on is Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> and I'm not even going to read through all these quotes, but the preface of this is Carl Anthony Towns, who does bro think he is? Carl Anthony Towns, the one I do want to definitely say on air, is he tried to say to in, a, in an interview that the Wolves' 2022 play-in tournament win was more special than the Nuggets' championship run. More special and more impressive that they won a play-in game. Not a a playoff game. A play-in game. Which, it was a meme back then because we were all like, why are they celebrating like they won the finals? Apparently, this is truly what they thought. Because here we are a year later, and they're still talking about it and saying it was more impressive than a ring. I don't know who Cat thinks he is. He's uh, He's got to be saying he's going to leave the game and make an impact on what? <laughs> what have you done? I mean, Cat is a decent player. But he is not him for these comments. Like, yeah, he, he's a good player, but he's not. Yeah, like you said, he's not him, and he's not someone who should. He, he's just. Yeah, he's not him. But like, yeah, that's just all you not can him. say because it's baffling that he's making these comments. Yeah, there's like, there's nothing you can really say, but you're just like, what? Like, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Crazy. He, the other comment that I couldn't believe was the special one. Oh, I'm when I leave this league, I'm going to do something special. What? what does that mean? I, I want. I'm going to leave my mark on this league. Are you running for president? Are you Are you taking Adam hey, Silver's bro, job? Like, hey, hey, Carl. Last I checked, you have yet to win a playoff series in your career, <laughs> and you're not an NBA Hall of Famer. Not even close. Oh, not even close. And you're most known for helping Gideon get a haircut on the court one day. <laughs> like it's not even. I, I his comments are just absolutely blasphemous. I can't. I can't they, get behind them whatsoever. He's talking being, a little too much. You know right what? Now. You know what? Though it was more entertaining than the finals. His his interviews have been more entertaining. Yes, than the NBA yes, finals. yes. And the finals is what we will get into next as we head to our final break. So much more to talk to you about the NBA draft and recapping the end of the NBA finals, which I'm very very sad about. <laughs> and I'll get into it when we come right back on Sports Power Talk. Don't go away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final segment of this morning's Sports Power Talk. You are listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be right here on Z88. Once again, I'm your host, Logan Conger. Joining me on the other side of the desk is Mr. Logan Buchanan. Hello. And Miss Abby Coley. Hi, guys. Guys, it's been a great show so far. Lots of things talked about. Lots of things that might be clipped from this show, especially oh. Abby's Trey Young comment. <laughs> I will be on that as soon as we get off the air. That was a- 
absolutely blasphemous, but Abby, that is blasphemous takes is my MO, so glad you have joined the club on that one. I'm happy you, that I joined. You now have your first weird WZIP moment. There you go. Good. Everybody has one. That one is yours. And we are back with more NBA talk to finish out the show, starting with the NBA Finals and the Heat loss. The Heat loss 4-1. to one. Denver wins their first ever NBA title. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sad. Who was it who lost? The Miami Heat. The Miami Heat lost. But let's not talk about how they lost. (laughs) Let's talk about how the Nuggets won. Jokic was finals MVP. And Jokic's attitude following the win (laughs) was like he just won some random regular season game. Like, does dude even like basketball? It really doesn't. It seems like he's just... Good at basketball, but doesn't like it. It's, it's like his side job. Oh, yeah. like, it's, his, it's his nine to five. One hundred. He's more about racing his horses than oh, playing in the NBA. I mean, I respect it because obviously his main focus is his family and his life away from basketball. But the, the, I, I feel like the question isn't does he like basketball. It's what if he liked basketball. What if he actually basketball was his That's main focus. Point. You know how dominant he would be if he actually. I mean, if he if he actually cared, if he actually was going full force, full grind over the summer, because I, I it was a former teammate said in an interview that Jokic doesn't even really try hard in the summer practices. He he gets like guarded by bench players who don't even get start time, and then once the first game hits, boom, he's there. He's Jokic. Wow. Yeah, he's just. A boring superstar player. It's very odd. I've, I've never really seen much like that before. He talked about in his presser at the end. He said, oh, you know, are you coming to the parade on Thursday? And he oh, said, when's parade? When's parade? And they said, Thursday. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no parade. I got to go home to my horses. I, mean, I said, respect it. I mean, different priorities. I mean, he ended he- up going to the parade. And then he said, remember how I said I didn't want to go to the parade? Well, I, I want to be at the parade. Uh, he loves the parade. <laughs> Those weren't his exact words. I feel like he I feel like he didn't know that the parade is just one big party. I, th- I feel like he thought he was just going to be exactly on a float, waving yeah. around, just, hello, thank it's you. It's just a big party in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jokic's performance was definitely oh, warranted. I and- mean, he had, he averaged 30 points, 14 rebounds, and 7.2 assists in the finals. That puts him up with elite names. Elite names. It really does. I mean, that that's impressive. I mean, that's got to raise some heads for sure. That would be impressive in any game, having yeah. that average. And to have it in the finals, the one of the hardest matches in NBA, maybe not the most exciting matches as we've come to find, but one of the hardest matches, yeah. it's impressive. And the consistency he's shown, too. Absolutely. I mean, very impressive. Boy, I'll tell you what, though. The Heat didn't make it real hard for him. No. <laughs> No. I had hope after game two, but then I just, eh, just wasn't for me the rest of the series. I knew wow. as a fan, even as if I wasn't a Heat fan, a, a casual NBA fan could have figured out oh, yeah. how, how overmatched the Miami Heat really were in that in that series. The Nuggets were absolutely the better team, the better prepared team to win the championship. So speaking on the Heat, who would you say is to blame for Miami's performance? Because I have a name, 100%, and it's going to it's gonna ruffle a lot of feathers when I say it. But let's hear from you guys first. Who, Who is majorly to blame for this downfall of the Miami Heat in the finals? Majorly to blame. You know what? I've disrespected this man a lot, so I'm actually going to praise him. Bam Adebayo tried his Wasn't hardest. him? 
But he wasn't him. But he tried. No, I'm saying it wasn't him. No. It wasn't his fault. He tried so hard. He was, I believe, the leading scorer for the Heat throughout this series. But the man who let them down, in my opinion, was Jimmy Butler. He did not perform like he was supposed to. I should not be seeing him below Bam Adebayo. I really shouldn't. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Logan on that. I mean, Jimmy Butler, I would say he's, I don't know what I would consider him. I definitely think he's a star for sure, but he definitely did not step up. He shied away in a lot of big moments for sure. So I think that he was a little disappointing. His all of his performances, really. Mm-hmm. I would say I have two. One of them is Jimmy. Okay. <laughs> and just because you're supposed to be the star player, and I understand now that he might not be able to just be a one-man star player. And that's so, that's fine. Okay. But... And while we're on the topic of Jimmy, I really, really respected that when he was asked about his ankle, he said, my ankle was not a factor. Absolutely. We just lost. Absolutely. Because... Any crybaby NBA player could have said, oh, yeah, my ankle, you know, that's the, why I didn't perform well. The Boston Celtics after Game 7. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. He did yeah. not use that as an excuse. He said, yes, my ankle is hurt. No, it was not no. why he said we just lost. Absolutely. Because there's so much more to the game than just someone's ankle. It's, and, yeah. and, Come on now. And one man's ankle. And the, the biggest thing, I've played basketball. Mm-hmm. People play with rolled, with twisted, sprained ankles all the time. It's nothing new. And if you're at the professional level in the finals, in some of the last games of that season, a, a bum ankle ain't going to stop you. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Even a broken finger. I mean, oh, I've yeah. seen people push through the never. Absolutely. I mean, this is like, I'm not going to say this, but it's almost like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You're mm-hmm. not going to just like, you know, oh, let's go over next yep. year. Like, no, you're going to want to give it everything you got. I've, I've seen people pop their shoulder back into place. Uh-huh. Like, game with the game on the line if you're not willing to do that you shouldn't be in the game you should be on the bench yeah absolutely i would say my other name and this is the one that's going to get me the most flack i think eric spolstra oh man that's interesting eric spolstra made no adjustments in that series if tyler hero at that point is active in game five Mm -hmm. if tyler hero is active i and you're already, like, in this hole. Why was he not on the floor? Why was he not even given the chance? I Did he want the chance, though? I feel like here's one of two ways this could be taken. One, they only listed him as as ready to play so that the Nuggets would have to prepare for him. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, if you're already losing, what do you have to you have a guy. You have Gabe Vincent in their game with two points, yeah. and you have Hero on your bench. You're telling me he can't do better than that? I, 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 I definitely mean, think he can. That would be such a a dumb strategy. Because if I'm preparing for Hero, I'm prepared for Gabe Vincent. I'm prepared for the lesser guys. If I'm preparing would, for Hero, I mean, I would definitely have given Tyler Hero a shot at least. At least maybe even in like the third, fourth quarter. I was like, where is he? Mm-hmm. Like why? What is? Where's the adjustments here? Why is Highsmith on the floor right yeah. now? Why is Max Schroes on the and, floor who's shooting two for twelve? And we noticed that in the last two series. I mean, how many times, Logan, were we watching the game and we said, "Why is that guy on? Where's Where's mm-hmm. this guy?" Multiple different times with multiple different people. The rotations have been very strange lately, and I don't know if it's just Eric Spolstra not knowing what to do or if it's maybe. 
team chemistry isn't there with certain yeah. players. I don't know what it is. That's the other thing. Is it something within the team? I mean, yeah. I mean, are the players coming together and being like, well, this can mess up our chemistry, or like, this person doesn't work well with this person, yeah. so that's why we're doing it this way. Like, we don't see those kind of things, but... I don't know, did, but did Hero want to be there? Did he want to get into those games? Because let's be real, if he wanted to get into those games, I think he could. I yeah. think he would be in those games. I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, it really depends on what happens behind the scenes that we don't see. What happens at the practices mm-hmm. when they're running different rotations and we see people not working well together, they're mm-hmm. not fluent, they're not flowing. Uh, do they want to try and risk that in a game five with the game with the series on the line? I don't know. But at the point where he could have been put in, they were going to lose no matter what. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just put him in? I know, but if you're going to lose no matter what, why put him in Why then? put him in? There's two because different perspectives, though. he could either help you a lot or what's the difference at that point? But you said... But then you're just fatiguing him for no reason. So what? You're going to lose. The season's over. No, 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 no. Oh. No. I don't, I don't agree with you on that. Like, and I don't because there's no point then. Yeah. There's absolutely no point then. Put him in, and what if he starts performing well? well you already said we're, we're losing anyways. Right. What so if, if we he put performs him in and he gets well, injured again? Okay. And he motivates his teammates. Is there some bias talk here? Is there some bias talk no. here? Being a, being a Heat fan? Uh-uh. Okay. No. But how mad would you have been if Spolster put him in and Hero got injured again? I would have been like, man, that, that sucks. Are you sure about that? I feel like you would have been blaming Spolster for putting him in. I feel like, like your perspective would be different. I don't know. I'm blaming <laughs> I'm blaming Spolster's rotations 100%. Okay. okay. Bad right, rotations, right. no adjustments, and I blame Jimmy Butler. Okay. All yeah, right. I blame But at Jimmy. the same time, I also blame the Nuggets for just being that good. Oh, they're so So, so yeah. it's not all on the heat, but there were definitely some things that I would have personally probably changed if it were me. So what would you say the biggest offseason question mark is for both of these teams then? Ooh. Going into the offseason, I, I I don't know what question marks come up for the Nuggets, but for maybe the, you guys have So them. for the Nuggets, I would say, can they keep this momentum? Yeah, That's absolutely. the biggest question. What moves are they going to be making in the offseason, if any, to better themselves? Because I really don't know if they need to be making any big moves. Absolutely, I agree with you. And will they make the right moves is the yeah. question. Will they make a wrong move? That's what we need to know. Will they stay consistent? And with the Heat, I mean, they have to figure out what's missing. Mm-hmm. they got to figure out what's going to get them rolling. That, so those are the two biggest questions. Exactly. What can they add? What can they take away to improve this mm-hmm. next season? And this Beal improvement, I think, is going to be big. Yeah. yeah, hopefully that trade goes through. That would be the biggest thing for Miami. Miami, Austin question mark is second star for the nuggets it's continuation of success those would be the two Beal's taking his talent down to south beach i would love to have him man i just think he fits in great i also think another question mark for miami is if we're going to trade kyle lowry and for bradley beal veteran leadership other than jimmy because udonis haslam's retiring say what you want i know he's gonna jake marina goes gonna tweet about it here in about 30 seconds but he's a voice on the bench that's gone. No more him. Yeah. You trade Kyle Lowry. That's a guy with a ring. Gone. I mean, you, still you have nobody K-Love. left on your team that has any rings except K-Love. Kevin Love. If we resign him, yeah. Well, you also got to think a lot of this team has been with Lowry for a lot. So what more can Lowry give them? What more can a K Love give them? Unless you get a big, big veteran that's been here I don't, for twenty I don't years. Foresee the Heat resigning Kevin Love. I think that was a one-year thing. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't think. I mean, you always need a veteran voice, mm-hmm. but 
I don't think this team needs one anymore because they've had that unless they get someone new to come in. I just don't know who that new person would be. Definitely. Or maybe not as many veteran voices. We don't, there's not much. Yeah, because there could be clashing voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think leadership is a big question. Because mm-hmm. Jimmy's a leader, but he needs someone to assist in that. I think Bam's working his way up to be one. Mm-hmm. Especially after this playoff performance, I think Bam is building himself up to be that second leader. Yeah, he he definitely is, but he just he's not a number. He could be a number two leader. He can't be a number two player in my yeah. opinion. He's proven that we yeah. need somebody else in right. that aspect. But moving into the future, as we've talked about, let's talk about the future of the NBA and all these young guys. Logan has been excited for this segment for quite some time. It is the NBA draft, which is coming up on the 22nd. It's going to be a big night. We're pretty sure who the number one overall pick is. We're pretty sure that it will not be moved. The Spurs are saying they will not listen to any calls or offers on the number one overall pick. Guys, do we think that Wemby is that special? Victor Wembenyama is a very good player. I am not doubting his talent. I'm not doubting that he is going to be a good player. What I'm fearing, though, is he's too Small And by small, I do not mean height. He is very large. I mean he's skinny. And when it comes to centers in the NBA, look at who he's going to be going up against. Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, if Giannis, if he gets to guard Giannis, where Giannis was a skinny guy who got muscle, I really need Victor to build on some muscle. Otherwise, he's going to get bullied in the paint, he's going to get bullied away from the perimeter, and he's going to be prone for injury. The only guy like him that didn't build muscle, Kevin Durant, and succeeded. Other guys, I mean, look at Bull Bull. Skinny guy, what's he done? I'm afraid that unless he builds some muscle, unless he builds some stability, he's going to get bullied around by some of the players in this league. And that's something I think is a huge raid. But, Logan, do you think, though, that Durant, you could really compare him to Durant? Because I found that Durant, Durant found a lot of success as, at more as, like, a shooting guard. Well, that's, uh, you know okay. what I mean? Physicality is what I'm, like, right. not physicality. The physique is what I'm looking at. Gotcha. When it comes to no one's bullying Durant because mm-hmm. Durant worked around that. So unless Victor can do that, I just right. think you only have that once in a while and I, I'm not saying that I want Victor to fail. I really want him to succeed. I don't want to see a bust or a flop but it's he's going to have to change something either. He's going to have to work around these big guys which I think he'd be able to or he's going to have to build some muscle yeah. uh, like we saw Giannis do. He came into the league pretty skinny and look at him now. Do you think he could kind of pull a Giannis though? I'm hoping. I really do. I, I think Honestly, anything's possible when mm-hmm. it comes to the NBA. It just depends on the person. It just depends on what he's willing to do yeah. and what the Spurs are willing to do for him. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, I think the Spurs are the right organization for him, honestly. It's such a strong strong coaching staff. And I talk about the Heat culture. The Spurs have a culture. It's been off for the past few years because mm-hmm. they're not winning. But the Spurs have a culture where they are used to winning and being in the playoffs and being a part of the top teams in the league to be right. feared. And and one of the biggest things that I'm looking for, and I hope, I really hope happens, is Tim Duncan kind of sticks with the Spurs a little bit, sticks around uh, after games or before games, and talks to Victor, gets that ear in his head. Because we know Tim Duncan obviously loves the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And to get a big guy like that, a dominant big man mm-hmm. who was dominant throughout the 2000s in Victor's ear, could really showcase the full potential of Victor. I agree. And I think the Spurs is really a good fit. 
fit for Victor as yeah. well, just because it is such a steady franchise, and it's there's so much talent behind it throughout the history and throughout the years. And then there's also just so much steadiness with like wins and just producing productive players. So I think this is definitely a good franchise for him, personally, being someone new to the league. I do think that he also is that special, but I agree with Logan. The physique needs to be there. He needs to take the Giannis route, and he's, he needs to do what Evan Mobley has not done for yes. the Cavaliers. Yes, That's, for me, that is the turning point for a guy like Evan Mobley. Wemby is obviously way more talented than Evan Mobley. Yeah. Also, just something we've never seen before, mm-hmm. but I... I would compare the two of them potential-wise, not potential-wise, just like the type of player that they yeah. are. Mobley did not do that. No. Wemby has to do what Kevin Durant did, what Giannis Antetokounmpo did. If he takes the Evan Mobley route, he's going to get bullied. And that's and that's my biggest fear is he's going to get bullied and he's going to get injured. Because mm-hmm. a guy with his physique is so injury-prone. I myself have very glass ankles, so I understand where that comes from. And as a center, if you're getting bullied around by a Giannis, by a, a Jokic, by an Embiid, even like a Rudy Gay, you're going to get bullied. You're you, going to get injured. Mm-hmm. You won't have a chance. No. You won't have a chance. No. Absolutely not. Even if you're pulling from three like he can, I don't know if you're going to be as successful yeah. as a big. And it's hard to be consistent, too, if you're not used to that type of game. Exactly. It's hard to change your game up after you've played a certain way for so long. Exactly. So... Yeah, I think he's a big game changer. What about, so if it's when, it's evidently when the Spurs pick Wemby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they successful immediately, or are there other things they need to do around him? Um, Abby, I'll let you take this one first. Okay. It- yeah, so for this one, I think that... I don't, know, I, don't, I don't think they're going to do poor or anything like that. I think they'll be successful. The Spurs are always successful. Let's be real. They're always successful. Um, but I don't think they're going to be outstanding. I think that they're going to do just fine. But once he gets his game down and they understand what his game will be and the players around him get that understanding of each other, I think then they'll be super successful. But as of now, they're going to be fine. They'll do just fine, I think. Yeah, I definitely think they'll be fine. I think the biggest look at is the duo between Wemby and Trey Jones and see how those two mesh together. Um, It's really going to depend on who his guards are, how he performs. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, as a center, you need a strong guard to be getting those or well, for Victor be getting those rebounds from those guards and be uh, setting screens for them, be controlling the the center and the paint to allow for those shots on the perimeter as well as getting shots off on your own. So it's not going to be a huge jump. Like, I'm not saying the Spurs are top three, but they're going to be up there. They're definitely going to be, if not a playoff team, definitely a playing team this next year. Yeah, I I could see it being a playing team, maybe even a playoff team. Yeah. But we'll see how that plays out. I think that Wemby has a special career ahead of him as long as he does the work. Mm Mm-hmm. How about the Cleveland Cavaliers, guys? You know, there's reports that the Cavs might look to move into the first round. Why? What is it? That, what are they searching for? I think they just need. I think they're looking for an, another star player. Honestly, I think they're looking for someone who's gonna really help the team out because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got some good players, but again, I feel like we have inconsistency with injury and just like playing in general. And I think they're looking for someone to bring something special in. I think. Yeah, I don't see the Cavs going too far into the first because mm-hmm. they're going to have to give up a lot if they go too far. I think what they're looking for is a backup center because mm-hmm. right now our center depth is not there. Whenever um, 
we're looking that late in the game or uh, just after the half and we need something big going on with our big, we don't really have anyone there to fill that role. So I think that's what they're looking for. I just don't know who exactly they're looking at. Yeah, I I think, you know, there's rumors that Ricky Rubio might be on the outs. He's mm-hmm. considering just going home or ending his NBA career at some point. That's a role player they'd be looking to replace. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see them moving a guy like Karis LeVert. There's always rumors about Karis LeVert being moved. Yep. Uh, Isaac Okoro could be another one that could be moved. I saw big reports of Isaac Okoro and a few draft picks going up. And that's fine, honestly. <laughs> that's fine. I, Okoro, I really had a lot of hope for him, and yeah. he just underperformed for me. Um. But yeah, I think the Cavs could definitely make a move, but I don't think it's completely necessary. However, I have learned one thing, that whatever Kobe Altman says is fine with me because yep. it always seems to work out. Even mm-hmm. if it looks terrible in the beginning, whatever Kobe Altman and the Cleveland Cavaliers decide always works out. But sticking with some hometown topics, Akron's own Xavier Castaneda is a part of this NBA draft this sure. year. He's had workouts with many teams such as the Hawks, the Magic, the Lakers, and the Hornets. Guys, what's our draft outlook for Xavier Castaneda? Logan, I know that you felt very strongly about this. I'm I'm just really sad because I, I did a whole bunch of research looking at multiple different websites, multiple different sources, seeing what they thought the draft projections would be, and I didn't see X's name in any of them. And, you know, I'm not even trying to be a homer, but the kid is talented. Absolutely. X is talented. I've seen what he can do. I've seen it in person. I've been five feet away from him when he makes that shot that needs to go in and games on the line and he makes it. I don't know where he ends up. If not in the second round, I could honestly see him going undrafted to a team like maybe the Lakers or the Hawks. Definitely not a first round pick, though, just because he is from the smaller college in Akron. I was going to say it's definitely unfortunate because the Mac doesn't get the recognition as like a as a mm-hmm. Duke because Xavier Castaneda is a quality and a quality yes. player and a quality player that can play in the NBA. It's just unfortunate that the attention is not on Akron's side with this one. Yeah. Right. He's one of those players that you want to see succeed and you want to see him do well. I mean, I hope he goes drafted. That's that's really what we can hope. I'd love to see him with the Cavs, but yeah, we'd love to see him be drafted. If, if X is wearing a Cavs jersey that next season, awesome. I'm spending my entire paycheck. I'm getting that jersey. Absolutely. <laughs> I I would like to see him with the Cavs, of course. I could also, he did work out with the Lakers. Yeah, I would, would love to insane. see that. I'd buy an X Hornets jersey. I'd buy an X any jersey. I would buy an Man, X I'd buy an X, I'd buy an X Celtics jersey. You know what would be great? If I could buy an X Warriors jersey. We're bringing it back. Oh, I'd buy X anything. Xavier Castaneda is a quality player. I, so, it's it, crazy that I haven't seen him on any boards yet. Any board. That's the biggest thing is any. Mm-hmm. Any. Right. And I do think it's a direct product of attention to mm-hmm. max schools. Mm-hmm. Or just lower level schools. Yeah. Period. It's how it... I mean, look at... Damian Lillard's from Weber State. Yeah. Like, just look at these guys. Give them the opportunity. Yeah. X, X is a guy that, to me, reminds me of Damian Lillard. In I mean, all aspects. I mean, even stuff. I mean, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's it, it's all about the chance, really. And he deserves that chance. I w- like, I, I really want to see the guy in an NBA uniform. Absolutely. And it might even take a few years. You know, sometimes guys, he'll either go, if he goes, I would say he would get picked in the second round or goes on draft mm-hmm. size of the team. And I think he's one of those guys, he's like an Austin Reeves type of guy. If he signs with a team, he's going to work his way up and eventually get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely can see. And that's not, again, not even being a homer. No, that's no genuinely factual. Mirror. Looking at the stats, looking at what he did this past year, mm-hmm. this guy is going places. It just it just, it just, just determines who 
is actually looking at him. Because if right. anyone's actually looking at him, they're having him in his mind. My fear is no one's actually looking at him. Right. It's just we hope he lands with the correct people and the yes. right people that want the best for him. Yes. Yeah, I really would love to see X in an NBA uniform. Before we wrap up our show, quick thoughts. The Pelicans are looking to move up to select Scoot Henderson. Do you think this could result in a Zion Williamson trade? Oh, 100%. I think it would be, it's it's viable and it's the best option for the Pelicans right now. Get Zion away from you. Get all the controversy surrounding him away from your organization. Bring up a guy like Henderson who's been performing so well I love Scoot Henderson. I think he's one of uh, the best prospects. Before I actually started researching Wemby uh, a few months ago, Scoot was my number one pick. Uh, Obviously, Wemby is just that talented. He is that guy. Scoot is also that number two. So I could definitely see uh, the Pelicans looking to move up, giving away as much as they need to to get him and to build the team around him. Right. I would say the same thing for Henderson. I would just say get Zion out of there, I, for sure. I mean, there's been so much problematic stuff that has happened around him and with him. I think it's just time for a change for the Pelicans, absolutely. Absolutely, indeed. I do think it could result in a Zion trade. But we will see how that plays out, and we'll see how the NBA draft plays out. Guys, that's going to about do it for today's show. We talked a lot of things today. Talked the MLB, talked the Guardians. In the second segment, we talked about some miscellaneous headlines, got your hot mic questions answered, and we finished out with a final hour of NBA talk. Guys, any final thoughts from our from our analysts? I'm just so excited for the draft. Me I'm too. I'm so excited. It's it's going to be really exciting to see who ends where and what happens, so I can't wait. See an ex get an NBA jersey. How Absolutely. Awesome. Final thoughts for me. You know, I, I, liked, I decided my thing for hosting is to end every show with a quote. And this week's quote from me is, As you think, so shall you be. And that is a quote from Dan Baumgartner. Appreciate the thoughts, Dan. And also, a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. Guys, anything you want to say to your dads before we get off the air? I wish I knew you. Uh, Shout out to my dad. He's awesome. Uh, Can't wait to see you later. Absolutely. Happy Father's Day, Dad, as well. And also a happy birthday to Haley. Appreciate you very much. Guys, that's going to do it for today's show. From the University of Akron on SPT.